What more can one say? This is game seven. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Little Hockey Podcast. My name is Keegan. And I'm Jordan. Uh, We are two brothers living in Ottawa, and during this uh, sad, sad quarantine time, we figured what better way to waste our time than starting a hockey podcast. If you want to follow us, uh, my Twitter handle is LIL underscore Little28, so Little Little28. And I am at JSmall1771. And to keep up with all podcast news, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Little Hockey Pod and on Instagram at the same hand- handle. That's at Little Hockey Pod. So now that we've got all the formalities out of the way, uh, we'll introduce ourselves a little bit. Uh, the main thing with this podcast is we are trying to uh, represent both sides of the Battle of Ontario. So I myself am a Sense fan. Jordan? Yeah, I, I'm a Leafs fan. And just to give you guys a little bit of a background about ourselves, we'll go into why our favorite hockey teams are who they are and how we got into them. So Jordan, I'll let you start. Yeah. So like I said, I'm a big Leafs fan. Um, I don't really remember the exact moment that I became a hockey fan or a Leafs fan. I think it was just kind of a a gradual thing over time. But I know that uh, I remember playing NHL 96 a ton when I was like six, seven, eight years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember playing it on the PC all the time. I remember, I remember my first um, internet search being hockey news. And that's when I found the website, thehockeynews.com. I, I don't know what, awesome. uh, what uh, search engine that would have been on, probably like Yahoo or like Ask <laughs> or something. But uh, yeah, that was my first internet search was hockey news. Um, I remember, uh, yeah, just playing NHL 96 all the time, drawing all the logos from, from, the, from that game, like the Hartford Whalers. I remember being really impressed when I drew a Hartford Whalers logo. Uh, it was pretty good. Time. Yeah, that was a great logo. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my, my general history. I think I became a Leafs fan because our dad is from Toronto and he, he was a big Leafs fan, but I don't remember him ever, like, sitting me down and saying, Hey, you're going to be a Leafs fan. I I think I just kind of adopted it because he might've mentioned it one time or something. Yeah. I do remember the, the EA sports games being a really big influence on my hockey fandom when I was like really, really young. That makes sense. I did not get that message from dad. However, Um, I remember the earliest hockey memory I have is 2007 it was us two and our mom standing outside what was then the Scotiabank Arena watching Ottawa and Buffalo in the conference final. Uh, I remember looking up at the big screen they had out there and watching Alfredson score the overtime winner and sending Ottawa to the cup final. That was when I really, really kind of realized how much of a hockey fan I was. Uh, growing up, our family played a lot more soccer than hockey. 
mainly because we were significantly better at soccer than we are at hockey. Um, but when it came to watching, we all watched hockey and that kind of set me on the path to become a hockey fan, but I didn't really get into it as a hardcore fan until probably the early 2010s when Ottawa had uh, a little bit more consistency in the playoffs. Uh, there was the Pajot um, hat trick against the Montreal Canadiens, I think in 2012 or 2013 and Carlson emerging as one of the best defensemen in the league. And that really put me on the path of becoming a true hardcore hockey fan rather than just someone who watches it on Saturday nights. Yeah. That, that's really funny that you say that because like, even though we're brothers, it, it never really occurred to me that that was when you got into hockey, because I remember like when you were young, like seven and eight years old, you were out on the, on the driveway with us playing road hockey all the time. And you always wanted to play, but I guess it had just, it was just more to do with you hanging out with us as opposed to just playing hockey. Right. Yeah, exactly. That was it. And I don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun. I remember, you know, I'm, seven years younger than you guys so when I was playing goalie I was like all right no slap shots and it can't come above my knee or something yeah no I remember that your your two rules were no hard shots and no high shots and we would always be like yeah sure Keegan whatever just get in the net um and then yeah (laughs) then yeah I I would like line up my one-timers from the end of the driveway and just blow them past you yeah even though we had the small net yeah, and then every few weeks, Dad would put in his rule of like, all right, if Keegan's going to be in net, he's got to wear the chest protector and a full face mask. And it would last for like 10 minutes, and then we'd just be like, Keegan, yeah, go inside. We're not taking shots on you if you're wearing all that protective equipment. Which is funny because now, like I, a year or two ago, went to Canadian Tire and bought full street hockey gear with like uh, the chest protector going all the way down to my wrists. I got a mask. I've got the pads, the gloves. The only thing that I should be wearing is a jock, but. Oh, uh, yeah. But it, it's different now, though, because we're adults. And it hurts. And Yeah, it hurts now. And yeah, well, when we were kids, like a 14-year-old, a like, sure, I was shooting a tennis ball at a 7-year-old, but, you know, the worst thing that would happen was I'd hit you in the face or something and get a bruise. What about uh, what? So you kind of talked about what era of the NHL you grew up watching with kind of the more recent stuff, right? in the last 12 years is kind of when you've gotten more into it. Um, for, for me, uh, my, my um, like childhood memories growing up watching hockey were during the dead puck era. So the late 90s, early 2000s, right before the, um, the lockout in 0405. So for me growing up, like there, there were four, yeah, four elite teams um Detroit, New Jersey, Colorado and Dallas. Dallas? So when I was oh yeah, Dallas. Yeah, the Dallas Stars were an elite team when I was like 9, 10 years old. I guess old. that is the Medano Turco Dallas Dallas Stars, eh? Yeah. Yeah, Medano, um Jason Arnott. Uh I think he was on he he had to have been on Dallas at one point. He he won a, a couple cups with New Jersey, I think, but I'm sure he was on Dallas. And Joe Newendike, Brett Hall, uh Kevin Oh, which Hatcher? One of the two Hatchers. Uh, I think it was Darian Hatcher. Sure. And um, Marty Turco, Ed Belfour. Oh, yeah. Sergei Zubov, Yeri Lettinen. Like, those Dallas Stars were unreal for two years. They went to back-to-back cups or cup finals. They won one and lost one. Between the 94 lockout and the 2004 lockouts, there were five teams that won the cup. 
So over 10, yeah, over 10 years, there were five teams that won the cup. Detroit won it three times. New Jersey won it three times. Colorado twice. Dallas once. And then Tampa Bay won it right before the lockout. Yeah, that was against Calgary, right? I remember yeah. we were in BC watching some of those games. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for, for me growing up, like there were four elite teams that were going to win the cup or be in the finals every year. Everybody else was just also Rams. But yeah, so like my growing up as a kid, the, the Battle of Ontario was right smack dab in the middle of the, the most, yeah, the, the most formative years of my hockey fandom. So it, those, uh, those four playoff series had a pretty significant impact on my fandom and my life at the time too, because being a Leafs fan in Ottawa during that time, especially as a kid, like all of the other kids were Sens fans because the, the team was new when they were really good in the early 2000s too. Yeah, young Marion Hosa, Mike Fisher, Daniel Offerton bussing in. We had Yashin for a bit, Chara yeah. and Reddit on the top line. Yeah, like the, there was like six or seven years where Ottawa was considered to be one of the juggernauts. They just never got past the Leafs. They just never finished on it. Yeah, friggin' Leafs. Uh, we were watching. I looked at the stats for Patrick Laleem, uh or looked at them they showed them when they replayed the O2 game Gary Roberts oh yeah a double overtime winner going into that game in six playoff games the Leem had an 0.32 goals against average and 988 save percentage he was five and one yeah I think that was the year that Ottawa oh, played um, the Flyers in the first round and allowed like two goals in five games something like that it was, yeah, it was crazy. That, that, that year, I think I remember, yeah, Patrick Lalim was just unreal. The Senators were unreal in the first round, and then they came up against the Leafs, and then, yeah, they just got the, the doors blown off of them in that Game 7. See, see I yeah. don't – obviously, I was just – I was what? In the O two 2 I was turning Four? five years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember any of that. Like the stuff that I remember are like, again, Pajot getting the hat trick. And then obviously in 2017 against the Rangers, he had the four goal game. I remember the Hammond run because I had stopped watching the Senators like in late January. And then Hammond got called up because Leonard and Anderson both got hurt. So I was like, season's done. I'm done. And I was just ticked off. So I, I couldn't watch a game. And then Hammond went on his run, so I started watching again. We got kicked out in the first round, but that's besides the point. Uh, I remember watching Spezza's decline, because I don't really remember Spezza Heatley-Alfredson. Okay. But I remember when, after Heatley left, I remember the Heatley trade, and everyone thinking McCulloch is going to come in, play with Spezza and Alfine, be Heatley, and that just didn't work, and Spezza kind of went downhill from there. And then after the Alfie contract dispute, Spezzo got named captain, and it was just like that was the final nail in the coffin. He had to go. Yeah, he didn't want to be in the in the city anymore, which is fair. And then bringing in Bobby Ryan to solve all of our problems as well, and that not working out because like to me that's my Ottawa Senators. I don't remember the juggernaut. I don't remember the team that was predicted to win the cup. I remember this struggling team trying to live up to the hype that it once had and failing miserably. Like the only time we kind of lived up to that was in 2017 when Eric Carlson willed us to the conference finals. And it was just a honestly dumb luck. Like we had no business being there. None whatsoever. That, that team. Yeah. If it weren't for Carlson, imagine if Carlson had 
two good feet that he was playing on. Like the, the senators could have won the cup off of just him. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it too was um, Craig Anderson. Uh, well, I, yeah, sure. I was, yeah. I like, here, um, his wife was diagnosed with cancer, right? So there was a lot of emotion behind every game as well as yeah. uh, Clark MacArthur actually came back at the end of the season and played a bit of the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. That was the last time he played in the NHL. And like, he's obviously he's done now, which sucks. I really like Clark MacArthur. I thought he was a great player, but yeah, those are the sends I remember. And now with this youth movement that they're doing, this is for me, the most excited I've ever been as a sense fan. Well, yeah, for sure. Like just what, just what you're, you're talking about now, like, it's funny getting your perspective on this now because um, like for the longest time, I, I've always just kind of assumed that you've had at least some vague recollection or understanding of the the early to mid 2000 senators. Cause like, I, I remember you being pretty big into the team when you were a kid, but it, 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 it was at a fairly surface level, right? Like you, you were a fan of the team and you were happy when they won, but yeah. it, it wasn't, yeah. And there wasn't any in-depth analysis of it that because it. you were like nine years old, but you know, I was 16, 17 at that time. So I was able yeah. to understand a little <laughs> bit more. Um, so it, it is funny to hear you talk about how like this current era of the senators gives you the most hope that you can remember. Because for me, like the most hopeful time for the senators would have been like 2007 when they got the got to the cup finals or 2003 when they had probably a better team um, and got eliminated in the third round by the devils. Don't remember any of that. Yeah, you, yeah, that, that's funny because like you, you listen to so many Sens fans around the city, and that Jeff Friesian goal in two thousand three is like you just mention it, and it's like a dagger in their heart. But for you, like it doesn't have any meaning because you know you were. I don't know who that, when it happened. I don't know that name. You don't I know do Jeff Friesian. <laughs> that that tells you right there. Cause yeah, like, exactly. I was sixteen in twenty thirteen, right? So like that, that was when I was able to look at it a little more in depth and that's when I got into it. And then I switched from playing soccer to playing hockey more. And that also got me into it because when I started playing hockey yeah. more consistently, I just, I dove right in. I, I love the sport. Like I, it used, I used to always say like soccer is my favorite sport to play. Hockey is my favorite sport to watch. And now it's just, no, it, it's hockey through and through. I, I, I don't mind soccer. Like we were, again, we were all very good at it. We were all captain of our teams. We were all like. Yeah. Like we, we were all, you know, rural Ottawa house league players. So I think, <laughs> yeah, but we, all could I think we can slow the hype train a little bit there. Yeah. No, we were all provincial level players, Jordan. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, again, like I look at the differences between uh, when I first started and now, like my favorite player growing up obviously was Alfredson. Yeah. Like for most sense, young sense fans growing up in that era, it was Alfie. He was the face of the team. He's one of the greatest Swedish players to ever play. And he, him and his rival or rivalry slash friendship with Matt Sundin was awesome. I don't remember it, but I know it was good. Yeah. Um, and now I look at the team now and it's like my favorite player now. And probably of all time is Brady Kachuk. Okay. Like he, he, I would very much argue he's my favorite player. Just being the complete pain in the back for every player he goes against. He can score. He hits. He has, he doesn't have like soft hands or anything, but he's able to make quick, good plays. And he, oh, I just, I love him. He's what I want every modern quote unquote grinder to be just a heavy player with, 
more skill than he has any right to have. Oh, I love him. So yeah, with uh, with Alfie being your favorite um, like player growing up, do you have any uh, recollection or context for why Leafs fans would boo him all the time? Uh, I remember. I don't remember, but I know of the Tucker hit. Yeah, the really dirty uh, hit that he laid on Dashi Tucker. Was that in the playoffs or was that in the season? That was in the playoffs. Yeah, that was. Um, I think that was Game Five or Game Six. I think it was Game Five to force a Game Six, something like that. Um, it, 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 Ottawa, Ottawa was on the brink of elimination, and then they won that game because of the goal he scored immediately after drilling Tucker into the boards from behind. Didn't he like break his collarbone or something? Yeah, he did. He, I think he broke his collarbone or separated his shoulder. It was really nasty. It was bad. But uh, that was also, I think that was in 04, and that was the same season that um, the uh, the stick toss incident happened with Sundin. Yeah. yeah. yeah Sundin I... broke his stick in like a game against Nashville or something, and he got mad and threw the broken shaft up into the stands, and he got suspended or fined or something like that. And then, and then Alfie, Alfie broke his stick in a game and pretended to throw it in the stands. Yeah, it, it was, I believe it was like the next game or something. Ottawa was playing in Toronto and Sundin was suspended for it. And Alfie did that. And then that on top of the Tucker incident that happened a few <laughs> months later, like it, it was just a season where the Leafs fans were like, screw this guy. Well, yeah, we're going to curse on this show, right? Yep. Yeah. So Leafs fans were like, go fuck yourself, Alfredson. <laughs> get fucked like and let's not forget daniel offertson got the first ever shootout winning goal against the leafs in 2006 after the lockout no that was danny heatley alfredson no, shot got it. i could have Al- alfredson he- shot first and scored heatley shot second and scored and that was to, that was to seal it that was it he was yeah. the first goal not the first winner that That's was it. right yeah but yeah he scored the first goal in the first shootout but yeah but yeah for for me growing up, my, like my favorite hockey player, it's so funny. All I ever wanted to be when I was a kid playing hockey was all, I, I always wanted to be a goalie. Um, my favorite player growing up was Cujo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would play goalie all the time when we'd play road hockey. All I wanted to do was be a goalie when I played on the ice and mom and dad wouldn't let me do it. It was too expensive or they didn't want me to get hurt or something like that, which yeah, yeah I get. Um, but uh, yeah, Cujo was, he was my guy. And for a while, um, Sundin was my favorite player. When I was first starting to get into hockey, Sundin was my favorite player. And then the Leafs got Cujo and, uh, that first year that he was on the team and we made it into the playoffs. Uh, I think we, the Leafs got to the, um, the semifinals and lost to Dominic Hasek just being the greatest goalie of all time and pulling the Sabres to the finals, yep. even when they had no business being there. Um, so that that's kind of when I, uh, I started to become a, a devoted Cujo fan. And, and now like my favorite player is Austin Matthews. Like it's just unreal watching that guy play. He's got the best shot ever. Love seeing his, his toe drag and release. It's awesome. His, his stick lifts. It's one of my favorite things to see him strip the puck off of somebody. Yeah, that uh, that the, his second goal in his first game against Ottawa is just beautiful. I'm so glad I got to see that live. I'm so glad Ottawa won that game. Yeah, I know that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> best hockey. That's the best game I've ever been to, and I don't give a shit that the Leafs lost. Don't care. <laughs> doesn't matter. Austin Matthews scored four goals, and it was amazing. 
Yeah, I'm I'm still mad that I missed that one because I was in the bathroom. I had to. Oh, I I was in the bathroom for the third for his hat trick goal. I came out and I was like, oh whoa, look, we've got three goals. Who scored it? And everyone's like, Matthews, you missed it. Ah, and I saw his fourth one and it was great. I do remember looking over at you because I think it was mom and Corey in between us when Matthews got his fourth goal and you were just sitting there ear to ear, shit-eating grin. Oh, just yeah. like, oh my God, this is insane. And I'm just sitting there like, ah, oh, crap, we're going to lose. Yeah. And it's all anyone's going to talk about. It's still I know. Weird. Oh, yeah. Like nobody, nobody talks about it. No one refers to it as, hey, you remember that game that Kyle Turris scored the overtime winner? It was a good like, shot too. It was, it was a good shot, and he had a lot of those OT winners that were wicked shots, but uh, who gives a shit? Like Matthew <laughs> scored four goals in his first game. It was amazing. Yep, and that was also when Toronto got their first taste of, uh, what is it, Fred Tober? Like when Anderson, Freddie Anderson isn't the greatest oh, in October because yeah. yeah. he did not have a good game. That was not a good opening Leafs game for him. No, for sure. Which is fine. My team got the two points out of it. Yeah. I'm okay with it. But speaking of Cujo, because you were uh, you were following him for a little while, and then he ended up going to the Red Wings, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I did have a bit of a weird Red Wings fan phase. Um, so a- after they won the Cup in 2002, Dominic Hasek retired. He was their goalie during that time. And then the Red Wings signed Cujo that summer. And I was such a big Cujo fan that I was like, all right, I- I'm hopping on the Red Wings bandwagon because this is my favorite player. And, you know, he, he's on a really good team now. So I, I want to cheer for him when he wins a cup. And then that didn't end up happening. He just, he was the kind of goalie that it seemed like he needed a heavy, heavy workload every game in order to stay sharp. And, you know, the Red Wings were allowing like 21 shots a game because they were basically an all-star team the season after winning the cup. And yeah, things just didn't go well for him. And they, they got beat pretty pretty quickly in the first round against the uh, the Mighty Ducks that season. Was that the Jaguar year? Yeah, that was the Jaguar year, yeah, when he won the Conn Smythe, even though... Uh, without winning the Cup. Yeah, without winning the Cup. So, yeah, and then uh, I think Cujo was with the, the Red Wings for the two years before the lockout, and then he moved on to Arizona, and I just kind of stuck with the Red Wings because I was like, well, you know, Cujo didn't do all that well. He kind of seems like he's on the decline. And also I'm not cheering for the Arizona or the, at that time, Phoenix Coyotes. Like, why would I, yep. why would I do that to myself? So yeah, I just stuck around with the Red Wings and, and then uh, pretty much throughout high school, I, I identified as a Red Wings fan. I barely watched any of their games. I'd watch more Leafs games than I would Red Wings games, but. But you wanted to watch a team win. Well, yeah. Like I, when I was in high school, like the, the Leafs were just barely missing the playoffs for a couple straight years. They were competitive. It was just their goaltending that sunk them. But yeah, it, it was, it was nice to watch and cheer for a team that was as dominant as the Red Wings were, but I never really had any kind of emotional attachment to them. And after I graduated high school, I, I moved to Toronto to, to go to school and I, you know, being surrounded by the Leafs all the time, it just, it pulled all of that stuff up from when I was a kid and I just dove right back into it. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't looked back since, even though the, the team's just been, they were dog shit for the longest <laughs> time. And it was, what was it 10 straight years with no playoffs? Oh, uh, it was awful. <laughs> and then even that, even that year we did make the playoffs in uh, 2013, we had no business being there. The team was garbage. And then the four, one incident happened. <laughs> Incidents. <laughs> Man. 
See, because you were talking about the Red Wings phase. I remember playing like NHL 2003 to like 2003, and I'd always be the Leafs because I'd watch the Sens games, but I was always like, oh, you know, my brothers like the Leafs, therefore I like the Leafs. So I'd always play them in the games. I would never say I was a Leafs fan, but I know that I used them more in the games for a certain point, and I like I liked watching them. But at that point, I just liked watching hockey with everyone, right? Like, I, I wasn't old enough to really have my own opinion. I was just, everyone likes this. I like it too, I guess. And once I got, once I got old enough to form my own opinion, that's when I smartened up. Yeah, I imagine that's kind of the life of being the, the younger sibling, right? Yeah, because I remember that with, yeah. Cor- like, Corey, uh, kind of the, the brother that's in between us all the time. He, he'd always want to come out and, and play yeah. hockey with me and my friends, and we'd always be like, ah, get lost, Corey. Yeah, you're 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 too young. You suck at this. We're way better. And and then yeah, I, I remember. I think your first Sens jersey, that really small, the red one that you had. Yeah, I still have it. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a Christmas present to Corey initially. Yep. Yeah, yep. he he got a blank Sens jersey, and I got a Sundin Leafs jersey for Christmas on the same year. Yeah, I still have that jersey. It's hanging up in my room. It's signed by Spartacat twice. <laughs> and uh it's also signed by uh chris fisher and chris, or chris fisher mike fisher and chris neal oh nice yeah, yeah I, I still i still have my sundine jersey it does not fit me i i yeah. can't believe that yeah i'm about 140 pounds heavier than i was when i got it <laughs> yeah that usually makes you uh outgrow it yeah you know, i have i have something like I think it's four or five sends jerseys and sweaters in my closet right now. And I just ordered another one. Yeah. I've, I've got three Leafs jerseys. I think I've got as many Red Wings jerseys as I do Leafs jerseys. Uh, you got that really sweet uh, classic Detroit jersey as well. Yeah, I do. The, with the D, the one that they, the yeah, one. they, um, I, they modeled one of their winter classic jerseys after that one. Yep. I, but yeah, like the, the newest one. jersey I have is from uh, the 2016-17 season. I ordered it before the season started, right when they released what the, the new logo in jerseys would look like. And I didn't get a current player put on it because at the time we had no idea what numbers anyone was going to wear. And the, the pre-made ones that they were offering up were like Nazem Kadri and Morgan Riley. And I really liked those players, but I was like, oh, I don't really want them on my jersey because those are the kind of guys that might not be here in a few years. So and they're I, not like William Nylander where they'll pay you to switch the numbers. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to get like an Austin Matthews 34 jersey and then him show up to camp and be like, you know, number 69 or something. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I, I, got, I got Joseph put on the back of it. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Just yeah, just I, I went with a classic player, even though he never played in that jersey, which is apparently a jersey foul. But whatever. Like <laughs> when when I got the jersey, like we didn't know what numbers all the players were going to be wearing, and I I wanted to make sure that I I got somebody that um, I, I'd be happy to have on that jersey for a long time. So I, I just went with my favorite player from when I was a kid, and also when I when I was a that's kid, a- I, I never had a Cujo jersey. I had a Sundin one. And then I had this knockoff Walmart jersey with a like a iron-on plastic <laughs> logo that I would say was my Cujo yeah. jersey just because it, yeah, it, it was like the Leafs alternate jersey in the early 2000s. It was a really nice one. And I just wear it when I, yeah, when I played uh, goalie in road hockey all yep. the time. And I remember when you got your current Cujo jersey and how happy you were about it. Oh, I was so happy. I'm still so happy. Um, I, I finally got to meet him um, 
like a year and a half ago and I, I kind of threw around the idea like, oh, do I bring that jersey and get him to sign it? And I, I decided no um, because, Ooh. yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want to be afraid to wear it. Okay, that's fair. So instead, I, I got him to sign this, like, uh, it's basically like a, a photo plaque. And I got him to sign that instead, because I've had that forever. Yeah, long-winded tangent there about uh, why Cujo's the greatest. Um, but obviously, we don't just watch hockey. We also play it. Um, I I personally didn't get into hockey until much later than most like i said before i was big into soccer i didn't start skating until i was 10 uh mainly because when we when i was eight i have a twin sister and she was significantly better than me at it right away so it discouraged me a lot so i didn't skate for a few years Um, yeah it's it's such a pain in the ass like all four of us have kind of had our own sports that we've been good at throughout our lives and then aaron our sister just managed to go out and just be like, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to be pretty good at all of the sports. And it's like, Oh, fuck right off. Yeah. Eat shit, Aaron. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I hate it. Granted. Um, cause she was, she was really good at gymnastics when she did it as well. Um, I, I remember dad being really mad when she left that, but yeah, when she was really good at hockey, she did it for a couple of years. And the first year she was like, Oh, I don't really want to do it anymore. I was like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Cause I didn't want to play on the same team as her because she was better than me uh first year was awful i did outdoor hockey because i couldn't skate and it was like a fifth of the price yeah and that that was always dad's thing too right like yeah you you guys can play in the outdoor hockey league in west carlton and if you know if you do well enough and if you're committed and you want to like improve and stuff then we'll put you onto like the the indoor minor hockey association leagues and it's like okay cool I started indoor when I was 14. Wasn't the greatest. Um, I didn't really know a lot of the guys on the team because they'd been playing together since they were like four, right? Um, so I got a little discouraged and I was off and on, off and on because I, I just, I didn't fit in. I didn't know, I knew the guys from like school and whatnot, but I didn't know them well and they were all buddy, buddy. And then uh, finally, oh, when yeah. I was 19, you and I decided to join the um, Ottawa Senators Adult Hockey League at the, uh, Bell Sensei, and that was a lot of fun. Like we're we're still in that now. We're part of the Puckheads. Shout out to the Puckheads. Yeah, you shout guys out are puck listening. Heads. Thanks for the support. We'll probably be messaging <laughs> you guys on our group chat there yeah. to let you know to come listen. Maybe do some updates. You can actually watch our games on uh, hockey. What is it? HockeyTV.ca. I have no idea what it is. It's but yeah, cool. shout out to the Puckheads. Hopefully, once all this uh, coronavirus stuff clears up and we can get back on the ice, we can provide a little bit you know like some uh some updates with how the puckheads are doing it every week or every couple weeks that'd be awesome i would like to say just to pat myself on the back here i am the leading point getter on the team i am less than a point per game but that's besides the point yeah um i just wanted to say that because although i started the latest and started off the worst i would not so humbly humbly say that i am the best hockey player in the family now yeah i i would agree with that oh yeah this is great great feeling um the uh the 15 year layoff for me <laughs> definitely uh impacted my my skill yeah because you were you were very very good when you were playing again playing west carlton house league hockey like 
my first year that I played, I was a minor bantam and played on like one of the worst teams to ever hit the ice. Probably like, God, we were garbage. We had one player and that was it. (laughs) I think I scored like three goals that year and I was pretty excited about it. And then the next year I, I just didn't do the tryouts and went straight to house league B and fucking tore it up. We were top ranked team in the league. Uh, Got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, but like I scored 30 goals in the season, so it was nice. 30? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I, I scored a lot. That team scored a lot too. Yeah, see, the most goals I ever got in a season in any league, I think, was six. And that's this year. Oh, yeah. No, we should probably talk about what we're planning to do with the show, right? Yeah. Uh, the main focuses on our show is going to be stuff like hockey debates, primarily focusing on Ottawa and Toronto, but when that gets a little stale, we'll obviously switch it up. Uh, throw in some general hockey debates every once in a while just to keep things fresh and keep things entertaining. Uh, When the NHL inevitably comes back, we'll do some game analysis as well. Um, If if they come back and it turns out to be the playoffs, obviously we'll be doing a lot more Toronto analysis than Ottawa. Um, Most most of, if not our entire content, is going to be focused on Ottawa and Toronto. We want to focus on the Battle of Ontario and kind of revive it in a sense. Um, Ottawa's a team that's going to be really good in a couple of years. Toronto's a team that's really good and only going to get better. And it'd be kind of cool to get that hype back of what it was in the early 2000s, as much as it feels weird to say, get some of that hate back. Because all good rivalries are built out of hate, not respect. And again, we'll touch on major league news, uh, non-hockey, some pop culture, just to give it a break and uh, give ourselves and you guys a chance to breathe whenever we're talking and you're listening. We hope to just kind of make it an entertaining podcast, primarily hockey. Um, We're not going to be doing any formal interviews or anything. So don't expect us to be like James Duffy or anyone like interviewing each other and asking in-depth questions. Like it's going to be a lot of this. Like we're Two brothers just shooting the shit, talking about our favorite teams. If you find it entertaining, great. We hope you stay along. Um, we hope to educate as well. I know for me, I especially this year, I got really into draft picks and scouting and uh, scouting reports. Uh, so if you guys listen to us and we sound smarter than you are, it's all an act. I can promise that. Um, <laughs> well, we are very good at making ourselves seem smarter and more informed than we actually are we speaking up we have no insider connections whatsoever this is literally just us being bored out of our damn minds in a pandemic situation and then less than a week ago keegan texted me being like hey you want to start a podcast and i'm like yeah i'll do anything right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure speaking of um jordan does all the editing as well and the intro that you heard at the beginning of the show was completely put together by him so thank you for that oh yeah do a little clap for you thank you jordan so uh if if there's anybody out there that's listening and is like oh hey this intro music it's garbage who did this that that was me (laughs) i you know graphic design and uh audio editing it's my passion um it's not his skill yeah it's it's definitely not one of my skills so uh, if anybody's got (laughs) tips feel free to shoot them my way because obviously this is our first show we're far from experts we're far from professionals so any kind of advice helps so with all that yeah do you yeah let's uh let's break into what an actual episode is going to sound like and hit up the news you know what's been happening in hockey in all of this uh covid19 pandemic situation there hasn't been a ton of stuff but over the the last couple days there's been a little bit of news popping out um kind of one of the most pressing issues 
from the last last night and yesterday is uh, a prospect with the Oilers. Colby Cave was put into an induced coma. Um, I originally I thought it was um, related to COVID nineteen, but it's not. Yeah, his agent came out and specified that it was not part of COVID. Yeah, w- when I read the Oilers tweet yesterday, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm assuming anything medical is is related to the virus. But yeah, it, it's um, what is it? Uh, a colloid cyst. It was a brain bleed. Yeah, he had a cyst and a brain bleed. It, um, and I, I, I kind of quickly looked up what this thing is, and it's it's just like a little pack of fluid that that gets that builds in your brain and then it, it just causes issues. So like, it, it sounds really serious because he's basically fighting for his life, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. He was hospitalized uh, Monday night, April 6th with the brain bleed. Uh, he was admitted to the critical care unit at Toronto Sunnybrook hospital. Uh, again, his agent, uh, Jason Davidson made it very clear that it was not part of COVID-19 um he's still relatively young i think he's what 25 uh yeah something like that i'm i'm not 100 percent sure on his age yeah he um he got called up with edmonton later in the season he only played 11 games before the postponement of the season obviously during all this uncertainty and all this hard times to hear something like that is it's heartbreaking like this is a young guy just just starting yeah. his career in the nhl potentially and then suffering something like this it's, it's something you never want to see um i hope he gets better i haven't heard any updates about him um yeah well, he he had surgery uh so they've removed the cyst but he's still in his induced coma so he's he's still gonna be fighting for like i, I know a little bit about what an induced coma is like he's gonna be in this for like three days likely so he, over the next three days they're gonna find out. Um, if he's going to be able to to come back from this or not. So that's uh, definitely sending out uh, positive thoughts and vibes to him because it, and all his whole family too, because I, I know that he's married and his, his wife is going through a really hard time. That's, that's not something that you'd wish on anybody. No, and it's, it's something that you, you know, and you hope that the team community is going to rally behind him as well and give him and his family as much of support. As yeah, for can. sure. And also like an ICU in a hospital right now is not a place you want to be because well, for starters, that means it's intensive care and you're fighting for your life. But in a time like right now, you have to wonder if his family are allowed to go see him because he's going to be basically on a floor with a whole bunch of people that are infected with COVID. I never even thought of that. Yeah, because there are, there are people dying in hospitals with COVID and they're not allowed to see their family members. Yeah. Because there's just no visitors allowed to those, those sections of the hospitals right now. And it, it's like that. That's a, an awful, awful thing that somebody would have to go through. Mm-hmm. And someone's family too. Uh, we wish him the best. Um, this is obviously something that's a little heavy to talk about on our first episode, but we're, we're here to talk about the latest news. And this was part of the latest news. Thoughts and prayers go out to Colby Cave, his wife, his family. Uh, we hope him a speedy recovery and hopefully see him on the ice yeah, maybe sure. as soon as next year. Uh, speaking of heartbreaking news, there. Sports- <laughs> yeah, speaking of heavy stuff. Yeah, speaking of heavy stuff, uh, Sportsnet put out a 25-minute special on Bobby Ryan's past. Now, for those who don't know, Bobby Ryan this year in the 2019-2020 season missed majority of it uh, in the player assistant program for um, alcohol. He was an alcoholic. Uh, and he mentioned after he got back that he had been trying for years to handle it, but he couldn't do it himself. Finally this year, him and the Ottawa Senators organization decided to put him in the player assistant program, 
and he played his first game after 100 on his 100th day of sobriety. And then on his first home game, he scored that memorable hat. Yeah, that was crazy. That was such a good story. So something that happened for him, yeah. like right when he gets back, that that's like a, if that was in a movie, I feel like you would be like, ah, geez, come on. That's, that's cliche. That's cheesy. But the fact that it happened in real life, it's, it's unreal. And um, I don't know if this special was made this year because of his, um, time in the player assistant program I, I imagine it's probably like a an outcome from him coming out of it successfully it was probably I, I think it had to do with that interview that he did when he got back and he was just very open about his struggles and kind of mentioning that the um, kind of the cause of his alcoholism was uh, trying to deal with things from his childhood and coming up so I, I think that kind of sparked some interest in some of these outlets to be like, Hey, do you want to, you, do you want to talk about that story a little bit more and just kind of clear it up for people? Um, and I think that's probably what drove interest in it. And his, uh, his journey from when he went into the program to today is obviously speculating here, but I think it's reasonable to assume that if somebody's quiet about something for a long, long time, and then suddenly talks about it after going through, you know, um, going through a, a program like that, that, you know, the, the program probably had a, a pretty significant effect on him and it, it made him more willing to open up about his, his experiences. So obviously we're not going to go too in depth to the video. If you want to know more about it, we suggest going on the Sportsnet YouTube channel and watching it for yourself. It's a great, great in-depth analysis. It's a great interview with Bobby Ryan, his mom and his dad uh, talking about their time growing up. We'll give you a quick little summary. Essentially, what had happened was uh, in 97, Bobby Ryan and his family were living in Philly. Uh, him, Bobby, and his dad went to a St. Louis uh, versus Philly game, after which his dad went to the bar, came back home, and brutally attacked his Bobby Ryan's mom. Um, what happened after was his mom was admitted to the hospital. His dad was arrested, obviously, and... Bobby wasn't allowed to see either of them for seven. He said seven or eight days. He was, was the first time he was able to see his mom because she was still in hospital recovering from her injuries. And he mentioned that her injuries were still very present. What I found, what I didn't know. And what I found interesting was um, his mom didn't want to press charges. Yeah. I, I found that interesting. Um, but that that's a fairly common thing from my understanding with uh domestic abuse situations um a lot of times the victim kind of sees them they you know they think it was their fault that it that um it happened so there's a lot of self-blame that goes on and it, it so it's not really surprising that she didn't want to press charges what surprised me was that they're together now and they seem very happy together yep um and for for those wondering the charges that were placed on uh bobby's dad who at the time was bob stevenson um were attempted murder in the first degree, burglary, and terroristic threat. Yeah, which is, like, th those are some huge charges to be thrown at somebody. Like, I don't even know what terroristic threats would entail. No. Especially, I, especially in, like, 1996 or 7. Like, this is pre-9-11. Yep. When, you know, terroristic... Had a different meaning. Or, or Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a totally different meaning then. For a while, 
what had happened was rather than sitting and going through the court and the charges, Bobby Ryan's dad actually ended up fleeing the city. He got a fake name. He went under, um, what was it? I have it written down here somewhere. Kramer. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I made two notes on this 25 minute video. I know you wrote out like pages of stuff. I wrote out two notes. The second of which is uh, Bobby's dad's choice in um, aliases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, I thought that they were funny. Like when he said that his first alias was Kramer and uh Christine Simpson asked him, like, why did you choose that name? Uh, when he was trying to think of what the reason for it was. Seinfeld. Yeah, my my reading of his face was like, don't say Seinfeld. <laughs> don't say Seinfeld. Don't say Seinfeld. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was a friend of his lost a brother or a son at a really young age. So I'm not sure if that's his friend's name or the, the person that passed away's name. But yeah, uh, yeah so that, that was his reasoning behind Kramer. But to me, I was like, 1996 it was Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld absolutely (laughs) but yeah so he left Philly he went to uh, a few different places he went to Peterborough he went to Cali or uh, Cali he ended up in California but before that he was in Banff Uh, and apparently the reason why he was going to these places specifically was the plan for the family was he would run find a place that is very uh, big into hockey and then have Bobby and his mom move to that area with him. And then they could stay together as a family. And what ended up happening was uh, his dad settled in Cali, in California, and Bobby and his mom came over. And since then, they changed their name to Ryan and played hockey. Bobby got his, his reputation in hockey, grew, and he ended up going really, really high in the 2005 draft. Right behind Sidney Crosby. Yes, yes, second overall, right behind Crosby. And yeah, and again, the dad's choice in names, Ryan. He chose it after seeing Saving Private Ryan. So I was like, oh yeah, that just solidifies that Kramer comes from Seinfeld. This guy watches TV yeah. and movies, and he's definitely like, yeah, Kramer, sure, yeah, that that's going to be my name. And Ryan, yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, look, the really really crazy stuff happens um, just before the draft and just after. We won't go into any details about that. Uh, we again, we recommend going on Sportsnet YouTube, going on the Sportsnet website, and watching the video for yourself. It's a truly remarkable story. It's one of a kind. Um, one thing I will say that I found interesting was in the entire video, Bobby Ryan is not with his parents at all. Well, yeah, he's living in Ottawa right now, and they're they're still in New Jersey. So, uh, you know, it it all depends on when this um, this was filmed, right? If if it was filmed around the time when all of the the planes were getting shut down type thing, then he wasn't going to fly out to New Jersey or, you know, if it was filmed during the season too, um, he wasn't going to fly out to New Jersey during the season to sit with his parents for an interview if the Sens weren't already there. So that could just be a logistical issue versus like a them not speaking to each other thing. True. But again, uh, the secret life of Bobby Ryan. It's a great video. We recommend you watching it. It's 25 minutes. And it's one of the most unique hockey stories I've ever heard. Yeah, it, it's crazy. There's been a few of them. And with Ryan, I I don't know, maybe I was um, kind of mixing in some details from other, um, from other hockey players that have kind of had, uh, I guess, similar issues or similar upbringings type thing. Like um, I, I was under the impression that his mom and him had changed their names to escape their dad or his dad. 
Um, but obviously that wasn't the case, but that, that was the, uh, the impression that I had for a few years since it kind of came out that, you know, Bobby Ryan wasn't his real name. So yeah, I, I kind of, maybe I was mixing it up with a little bit of the Patrick O'Sullivan story. Um, but yeah. Check that video out. We highly recommend it. It's a great video and it'll give you some newfound respect to someone who's gone through quite a bit of struggles, not only recently, but in his entire life. Um, now there was a bit of Leafs news, nothing major, but uh, so the big one that we'll talk about first was them signing free ag- Russian free agent Alexander Barabanov out of the KHL. Um, but yeah, with uh, Barabanov from SKA St. Petersburg, apparently he's been sought after by a whole bunch of NHL teams for a few years now. It's just been uh, an issue of he had a, a contract in the KHL, so he wasn't able to leave until now. Yeah, and by the sounds of it, he is an NHL-ready player. Sounds like he was years ago, but... Yeah, it was just kind of the contract situation that was holding him up. I I watched a few videos of him, and he's got some pretty wicked hands and good speed. It's the the main concern with a player coming over from the KHL into the NHL is the, the pace of play is a lot faster in the NHL, obviously, and also the amount of space you have is so much less. Well, yeah, because in the KHL, they use international size ice. Exactly, yeah, and there's just more space. And the way that they defend is a lot different there, too, because they're just more passive because there's more time and space for somebody to make a mistake. And if you're running around as much as you are in the NHL, it, there's a lot more space to cover, and it, it's a lot harder to do so. So then you, you just have to play positionally a lot better and uh, take, you know, take lanes away as opposed to time and space. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his transition goes from playing on the big ice to playing um, the smaller, high-tempo game in the NHL and see if he's able to translate that offensive skill over to uh, the Leafs. And it kind of seems like this Barabanov is essentially Trevor Moore 2.0, just slightly more skilled. Potentially, like, yeah, his hands are ridiculous. I've seen him make some wicked moves. Um yeah, like he, he seems to be able to beat defenders with speed and his hands, and his, his shot seems to be decent. Uh, I heard, I was listening to um, Hockey Central uh, yesterday, and Brian Burke was talking about how he's spoken to a bunch of GMs who kind of think that this guy, he's nothing special. So, you know, he, he's, not a, he's not Artemi Panarin. But he, he could also no. just be like a reasonable middle or bottom six, you know, or bottom nine forward type thing, which is fine. Like, that's what the Leafs need. The Leafs need some guys yeah. on the lower end of the roster that are still going to be able to chip in offensively. Because that was a big problem for them in uh, the second half of the season was, you know, Matthews and the, the other top guys would be scoring goals, but... The lower half, That's it. the lower half of the lineup wasn't contributing in the same way. Like Kapanen wasn't uh, scoring a ton. Engvall had like one goal in the last twenty-five games or something. Um, you know, Spezza would chip. Yeah, Engvall and Hall when they when they signed their contract extensions, they fell off pretty quick. Yeah, they they both struggled after that. Yeah, maybe Bear Banoff can come in, but again, like uh, Janssen also got hurt. Uh, Mikheyev got hurt, so a lot of your depth guys or your better depth guys were not there, which obviously didn't help. For sure, the injuries, the injuries didn't help. But I think what that exposed was that the Leafs 
uh, minor league depth may not have been what we thought it was going into the season or what they thought it was going into the season. Uh, they may have thought that they had more NHL ready forwards or that those those forwards that were NHL ready would be able to contribute more offensively and they just weren't. Yeah, did you see Dubis made a few comments as well on Barabanov, essentially going over what we just did. He's not a big guy, but he's strong on the puck and he's strong at uh, puck retrieval. He's got good playmaking ability and a, uh, as well as he's pretty good at finishing around the net. Uh, Dubas also made comments on his uh, puck handling as well. And he said he has a great skill level in tight, which is good when yeah. you're translating your game to a smaller ice surface. I don't really think there's too much more we can say. Like I, I see him as a bottom six player, and I think we agree on that. For sure, yeah. I, I think he could be a replacement for some of the more expensive guys that may need to be traded out this summer. Like uh, if the Leafs want to fill out their, their back end um, and they, you know, the cost of doing that is Andreas Janssen or Kasperi Kapanen, then Barabanov could be a replacement for either of those guys. If he's got the speed um, and the hands and the shooting ability that those guys have, but he's coming in at like less than a third of the cost then yeah, the, it, yeah, it's a pretty reasonable um, stopgap. Yeah. Uh, like, hey, Janssen, Kapanen, thanks for taking the discount and bye. Well, I, yeah, I don't even know if either of those guys took a discount, like for, you know, the amount of money that they're making. I mean, slightly. They Kapanen could have been like a $4 million player. If Colin, yeah. if Colin White's a $4 million player, Kasperi Kapanen's a $4 million player. Yeah, I don't know if Colin White's a $4 million player. Yeah, that is something that <laughs> I will be getting into well, that at some point in the near future because there is a yeah. lot. As much as well, I you like Pierre Dorian, there's a lot that I do not like of what he's done. What's that? Yeah, I was going to say, speaking about speaking of the senators and prospects, um, there was an article on The Athletic by Scott Wheeler talking about um, each team's lottery needs coming up to the draft whenever that's going to be and however that's going to be held. Um, so we're just going to focus on the Ottawa section because uh, they've got two pretty early picks likely. Well, Second guaranteed year. to be, yeah, they're guaranteed to be fifth and sixth at the lowest, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, the One of the very first sentences in the sentence portion of the article was saying that their biggest, their two biggest needs, were a first line center and a starting goalie. And I immediately, immediately just felt this, uh, I don't want to say rage, but just I couldn't have disagreed more with the starting goalie. Okay, with the starting goalie portion of it. So you think that Hogberg or uh, Philip Gustafson or one of the other guys is going to be a starting goalie? 100%. Yeah. Um, Gustafson, since he got brought in in the Derek Broussard deal at the 2018 draft, um, has been labeled as Ottawa's future number one goalie. Um, I I don't want to say I don't see it, but I believe Hogberg could be that as soon as even next year. Like, uh, if you didn't watch the Sens game and you look at his the Sens games and you look at his stats, I can understand why you would think otherwise. I'm pretty sure he finished with like a 907 save percentage. 904 904 yeah um but if you look at his four games but if you actually watch the games that he played one significant improvement this year from the year prior 
2019, he had a lot of issues with rebound control, and he wasn't very good at um, uh, repositioning himself after letting out many rebounds. This year, he was a lot more in control. Uh, he was a lot more calm. And he, honestly, a lot of those games that we lost um, were just because we were, like, we have third liners on our first line, right? But Hogberg, I think, along with Nielsen next year, will be our tandem. Uh, Nielsen had a really good year before his concussion. I hope he's all right. And if he gets back to the form he was in at the beginning of the year, him and Hogberg would actually be a really, really good tandem, I think. They're both really big Swedish players, Swedish goaltenders. Uh, they know each other. They talk to each other, and they do well. And then in Belleville, when Hogberg got called up, when Nielsen got hurt, uh, they called up Joey Decord from the ECHL. And as soon as Joey Decord got called up, him and Gustafsson both drastically improved because they were competing with each other for the uh, number one goalie spot in Belleville. Uh, Gustafsson was an under 900 goalie when Joey Decord got called up. And then after Joey Decord got called up, Gustafsson went on uh, like a four or five game winning streak where he had over a 945 save percentage yeah well that didn't seem to boost his numbers all that much because he's sitting at an 889 for the season in the ahl in 24 games like that's a 15 yeah gustafson 15 6 and 3 record 889 save percentage like that's and belleville belleville was a like a juggernaut right they're they're one of the top teams offensively yeah offensively they were not a very defensively sound team but they were one of, if not the top goal scoring team in the league. You're right. They are by uh, far the highest scoring team in their division, yes. but they're also the third highest yes. goals against. Oh yeah. They were great, but they're, they were like the Leafs in the NHL. They scored their problems away. League wide highest scoring team and the one, two, three, four, five, sixth yeah. highest score uh, goals against. So yeah, you're right. They are just kind of outscoring their, their problems yeah um but to go back to another goalie um in 2019 with our our second second round pick we got matt sogard and like he isn't anything special he didn't put up great numbers in the chl this year um but he's a six foot seven goalie who everyone describes as moving remarkably well for a guy his size he's someone who has potential and i think before we say like Ottawa's biggest need as a number one goalie, we should at least let our young guys have a bit more time to develop because goalies are weird and they take more time than any other position usually. So I think Ottawa has decent goalie depth. And I, before you throw around saying that it's one of our biggest needs, you should do a bit more research. Uh, Well, I, you know, Scott Wheeler is kind of like the, the athletics um, draft and prospect guy here. He's one of the main ones. And I think, I think he, yeah. he knows the organizations and the prospects pretty well. I think probably some of those red flags coming up for Ottawa's existing goalies would be those save percentage numbers because Hogberg and Gustafson kind of their, their two um, right now, they're, 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 they're top, their top prospects in pro hockey and their, their numbers aren't good right now Play, playing playing no, but, for a top level ahl team having your your goalies be 
sub 900 uh, save percentage. Like that's, that's not good. That's Martin Jones numbers yeah. right there. But like it, that, they do seem to be a pretty young team overall. Well, yeah, Gustafson's um, so, 21. Hog, or Decord's 23. Well, I just mean in, in, uh, in general, like all of their, their skaters as well. They have a lot of younger skaters that are just turning pro. Yep. Um, so part of their defensive play could just be those younger skaters not having the defensive responsibility and, you know, exposing these guys to high danger scoring chances that they can't stop. So that, that could be part of it. But just these, these plain numbers here just saying, like, you know, Hogberg playing, you know, he went 7-6 and six with the Belleville Senators and 897 save percentage, letting in three goals a game. Yes, Hogberg and Gustafson to start the year were not anything special. But I'm, yeah. I'm just pulling up Hogberg's game logs right now when he got called up to the NHL. Like, he stole points for Ottawa consistently. Yeah, and that's exactly what the Senators need, right? Is points so that they can get pulled out of that draft lottery. <laughs> Friggin' realistically, even with those stolen wins, I mean, we were never going to catch Detroit. Like they're we're yeah. at over sixty points, and they haven't hit forty. So I I I think they've secured that spot. So yeah, so your your main gripe with um, kind of this summary of Ottawa's organizational prospect needs is just that their their goalies are better than they appear and that that's not necessarily one of their their gaping holes that they need to address correct i think that once this once this team gets better and older and more experienced these goalies will show themselves as to what they can truly be okay um what about the first line center like we had talked a little bit about uh, I, colin white what about uh, logan brown what do you think about those guys Logan Brown will never make a DJ Smith team. No. No. He's a great player, and I believe he will be an NHL player, not for the Senators. Okay. Well, why, uh, why don't you think that uh, he'll make a DJ Smith team? What, what is Smith looking for that Brown doesn't do? Skating. DJ Smith oh, yeah. loves guys who not necessarily – like you don't need to be the fastest guy in the league, but you need the willingness to skate, and you need to be physical. Logan Brown is a six foot six, two hundred and twenty pound behemoth of a man who doesn't use his body at all, except for shielding the puck. He's very good when he has the puck, but when he doesn't have it, he's next to useless. Yeah, I know he was up and down a lot this season between uh, Belleville and Ottawa. Um, and he got hurt as well. He's pretty injury prone. And I think he he was injured during his draft year, or like the his uh the year right after his draft too like the he had some both yeah okay so he does have a bit i i'm pretty sure i can't i don't know for sure what his injuries were um i just know that personally he does not fit the ottawa system that we're going for and with a guy on the mark on the upcoming draft like quinton byfield yeah who is essentially logan brown but can skate better okay if, like if we get byfield brown's gone okay and yeah like I, that happens a lot with teams um yeah, especially it doesn't pan out the way you think yeah especially because they just signed colin white to um that contract extension and, colin white's moving to the wing though oh yeah but 100%. It, it just kind of makes it seem like logan brown is expendable when colin white is a little bit harder to move on from if they decided to go that way so yeah i i could see that if they if they are able to get Byfield with, with one of their two picks. Uh, I could definitely see a, a Logan Brown trade in the in the nearish future. 
Well, even if like there are three center prospects that are expected to go top five that are all better than Logan Brown. There's Quentin Byfield, Tim Stutzel, and uh, Marco Rossi. Any of those guys, if we get, is our future number one center. Byfield is, as for most of the year, been considered the top pick or the second pick under Lafreniere, rather. Uh, he's considered to have the highest potential out of any of these centers. Uh, he's expected to be a Malkin comparison, just not as hot-headed, which is, honestly, I could kind of see. Um, main thing is he's got great straight speed. He's not like McDavid where he can go east and west pretty quickly, but in a straight shot, he's very quick for a guy his size. Very good hands, very good hockey sense, an underrated shot, and he's essentially, like I said, he's Logan Brown, but better. He's the kind of player that we tried to mold Logan Brown into, except he's already at it while being four years younger. He's also one of the youngest players in this draft, so he's considered not as NHL-ready as the other guys I'll talk about, but he's considered to have a higher potential. All right, so Ottawa, let's just say the lottery balls fall and Ottawa gets second and third pick. Who do you, who do you want to see them take? Um, I always said that if we get the second round pick, it should be, or second overall pick, it has to be Byfield. Okay. Um, I, at that point, I don't know if he's the guy I want the most, but he's kind of the guy I'm expecting. Because um, Tim Stutzel, in Germany, he's him and Byfield right now are battling for who's better because they're different players. Stutzel is a lot smaller. Like Byfield's already 6'4, 215 pounds, and he's 17 years old. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Stutzel is, uh, he's the same birth year as Byfield, but he's already turned 18. He's six feet, 185 pounds. He's playing against men already in Germany. He did a lot better in the World Juniors than Byfield did. Byfield only got one point in seven games. Stutzel got five points in five games for Germany. Um, he's a lot better skating, like East and West. He's a lot more agile, which you expect with a smaller player. And he's his two-way game out of the three centers that I mentioned is the best. He's, he's a smarter player. He's a, mo- a lot more defensive, re- defensively responsible, like you see with a lot of European draft picks. And he, like, I will not be mad if we get him at all. Okay. If we pick him over Byfield, I will not be upset about it. Uh, but yeah, Ottawa's, Ottawa's super fortunate in that they're going to have two really high picks. So if they, if they can land them, like, pretty close together like that, there's a good chance that they're just going to be able to take the two guys that they want. The top five, anything under Alexi Lafreniere is mix and match. Yeah, which is ridiculous because everyone in the top 10 is considered to have first-line potential. Like, this is one of one of the deepest drafts in recent memory. Yeah, at least in, in your opinion, there's no real wrong answer at the, at the top of the draft this year for you guys. The last guy that I quickly want to mention is Marco Rossi. He's already playing for the 67s. He's a year older than all these guys. He's, uh, I think, a 2000 – he's either 2001 or 2002 – earth year i know it's weird to say that um uh, he's 2002 because he's already or 2001 sorry because he's 18 turning 19 he is considered the most nhl ready out of these guys the guys that i'm talking about because he's a year older probably has the best offensive hockey iq out of all of them and he actually had more he has the most points in the chl out of any prospect in this year draft 
more than Lafreniere. And he's a center. Uh, he has a decent uh, two-way game. Nothing spectacular, but better than people give him credit for. And he's just – his thing is all offense. He's the smallest one. He's 5'9", but, man, Ottawa needs a guy who's offensively focused and offensively gifted, and he could really yeah, help out. It, it does seem like the center position is going to be a, a key for the Senators moving forward. Just the guys that they've drafted in, in that spot over the last few years don't seem to be – the kind of players that they were anticipating them to be. So they really need to hit these two picks out of the park uh, this, this coming draft. And so long as they stick to what people, the players that people expect to go that high, they'll do it. Yeah. Like this draft is ridiculous. And the fact that we have two in the top five or two in the top six, sorry, is ridiculous. The only thing I will get mad at is if they pick Jamie Drysdale. Okay. Because he's a great defenseman, great right-handed shot defenseman. Like, I'm sorry. We have Shabbat, Branstrom, Thompson, Jacob Bernard-Docker, Christian Wolanin, and whoever to fill that bottom line. We don't, we don't need him. It'd be great to have him, but we don't need him. Pick two forwards. Because once we have those two forwards, one of them might even be freaking Lafreniere. You're freaking laughing. Ottawa will be one of the best teams in the next two years. If that, if it goes that way, if we get like Lafreniere and Byfield, we'll be one of the better teams in the next two or three years. Yeah. And then you're right on pace for that five year period of unparalleled success, which copyright. Yeah, really. As much (laughs) as I have my issues with Melnick, I'm starting to agree with him. Well, I don't know. If you agree with him, how? What do you think his plan is for winning six Stanley Cups in five seasons? That's yeah. the only you can have unparalleled success <laughs> in a league that has had five straight Stanley Cup champions in the past. Oh no, he said unparalleled success for the Sens. Oh no, he didn't say for the Sens. He just said unparalleled success. <sighs> Trade like here, copyright. For the but, sake uh, yeah, no, of- we're we're, get, we're getting off track here. But yeah, we're talking about we're talking about the Sens. We can last last thoughts on the uh, on the Wheeler article. I'm just going to say this, for the sake of argument, let's say Ottawa gets one and two. Lafreniere Byfield, I'm going to read you what I think the future lines of the Ottawa Senator would be. First line, Lafreniere Byfield Batherson. Second line, Kachuk Norris and probably Colin White because the three of them are really good friends. Third line, Formanton, Pinto, Declare. Fourth line, Abramov, Tierney, Balsers. Defense, Shabbat, Jacob, Bernard, Docker, Brandstrom, Lassie Thompson, Willannon, and probably Christian Yarosh. And then our three goalies would be Hogberg, Decord, and Gustafson. That's a good team. Potentially, very- yeah. If if everybody continues along the development path that they're on, then yeah, they could be. Like that. That is, to me, that's a playoff to contending team. All right, to cup and, contending uh, team. Moving from the Senators' future to the Senators' past, here we've got a. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, we've got an article here. We're gonna. Yep. I, 
I guess we'll we'll take sides on this before we even like summarize the article. Really, I guess we're we're likely just going to be doing that with our with our arguments here. But uh, from thehockeywriters.com, yep, by Ben Fraser. This is uh, an article about is Daniel Alfredson worthy of the Hall of Fame? What were your initial thoughts when you read the title, not the article? Well, what did you? What was your first thought? So I've thought about this one for a while. Um, Daniel Alfredson to me, I mean, I'm very biased. He's the second best or second highest point totaling Swedish hockey player in NHL history. To me, that alone should get him in the hall. If I'm being honest. Yeah. His only major award is the Calder, which is impressive enough. Um but like you don't have to be like a Wayne Gretzky and win the heart every other year or every year to get in the hall, right? The stuff the Alfredson's biggest thing was his consistency. Um, I'm just looking at his um, elite prospect page right now. Shout out um, from 2000 2001 season all the way to 2009 2010. He never got anything less than 70 points. 10 years straight of at least 70 points while never playing a full season. Daniel Alfredson in his career only played one 82-game season in the NHL. And he still got above 70 points in almost every single year. His best one coming right out of the lockout, playing with Heatley and Spezza and getting 103 points. Yeah. He, he's won seven international medals with Sweden, uh, two silvers uh, at the World Championship, as well as two bronze, one Olympic gold, and one Olympic silver. Like, he's – if he didn't play in an era with Matt Sundin or Nick Lidstrom, he would have been the greatest Swede in the NHL. So, yeah, so then you're falling down on – before you even read the article, it's – yes – for you, Alfredson's Hall of Fame worthy? For me, Alfredson should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, I think there are a lot of guys who have made the Hall that shouldn't be in there. And, and yeah, that, that's a whole different argument of exactly. like hockey has the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. Yes. Um, but because it does have the easiest Hall of Fame to get into, Alfredson should be in it. Yeah. All right. So, it. yeah, when I, when I first read the, uh, the headline, my first thought immediately was no. Alfredson has his only major um, individual award in the NHL was a Calder trophy in his first year. So he won rookie of the year and then no, you know, no Hart trophy, no uh, Lester B. Pearson trophy now known as the Ted Lindsay award. Um, Never led the league in scoring. Never led the league in points. He was, he was never the best player in the league. no Stanley Cups. Like I don't think that's I don't think that's a prerequisite in order to get in, but it certainly helps a case if you're not the top player of your generation or one of the you know the handful of top players, then Stanley Cups definitely help an argument. I've always hated that argument. I know I do too because a Stanley Cup is a team award. Like no, 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 not that one. The best player of your generation because how many Hockey Hall of Famers played at the same time as Wayne Gretzky? Well, yeah, for sure, but then. Uh, if if you're not the best, then you're one of the best. Like Which Eric, he was. I don't know. I he 
I don't, I don't know how many non-Ottawa fans would be like, oh, the Senators are in town. Got to buy tickets so I can see Daniel Alfredson play. Yeah, but to be fair, that's because Ottawa's just a small market. That's, well, on, that's, that's no gripe against Daniel Alfredson. I think the, the Senators at their, the height of their power when they had the Spezza-Alfredson-Heatley line, I think there were probably more people going and saying, hey, we've got to go, the Senators are in town. We've got to go see, you know, Heatley, Heatley. or we've got to see Spezza play. I don't know if Alfredson was on the top of people's mind. Which is ridiculous in my would I don't know. I name recognition throughout the league and name recognition by fans because you're on a small team is hard, right? Because my argument there would be how many how many non hardcore hockey fans are lining up to see their favorite team when Carolina's in town, right? They've got some young great guys in like Sebastian Aho and Andre Svetsnikov, but if you're not a hardcore hockey fan, you don't really know those guys. Not because they're not great players, but because they're in a small market and there isn't much media around them. The only media around Ottawa then was sure about Heatley because he was, you know, he was the first 50 goal scorer and only 50 goal scorer in Sens history. It makes sense. He was making history. Alfredson never had a history defining season, but he had a history defining career. And to me, that is more, more worthwhile. Yeah. So for me, like the biggest things against him would be that he was, I, I don't think he was ever one of the, I don't think he was ever considered one of the best players in the league. I don't think he was ever considered one of the top players in the league. And I, I think six, the best, to me, the best argument in favor of him is his longevity. He played consistently for a long period of time. And yeah, the way that the NHL Hall of Fame works, that should get him in. But yeah, he played from his rookie season was what, 96, 97? Uh, 97, 95, 96. And then he played until 2013, 2014. And in that year, yeah. he still got 49 points in less than 70 games. Oh yeah, no. And that, that's what I'm saying is that his, the length of his career and how consistent he was throughout it. I think is the best argument in favor of him getting in because he was, he was a very good player for a long time. Well, to go against your argument of never one of the best in the league, his six all-star games beg to differ. But uh, I, I think it would be, it would, you're talking about the playing all-star games. There's also ones at the end of the season, which is what people actually tally up when they're talking about how many all-star teams he made. Those are the ones that are voted on by like the Professional Hockey Writers Association, right? They, they select okay. a, a bunch of players from each conference, and that's what you would be looking at because the All-Star game is a gimmick for fans. It, it, it can be a popularity contest now. And not to mention the fact that somebody has to go from every team. So it, there are players that play in an All-Star game every year because they're just the best player on their shitty team. Not, not, and I'm not saying that that's the case for Alfredson, but that, that's just the reality of an all-star game. But, uh, but a, a, anyways, the, um, so after reading the article so for me, like the, some, some things that I picked up on, there was a comparison between Alfredson and Fedorov and Sundin. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that comparison because both of those guys played center. 
and Alfredson, Alfredson was a winger. So it's, you know, there's just different responsibilities involved in both of those positions. That's fair. Um, not to mention the fact that, you know, Sergei Fedorov won a heart trophy as the most valuable player in the league. And he did that on a team with Steve Eiserman in a league where I believe Mario Lemieux might've still been playing in that season. Um, if not him, then there was Yarmir Yager and Wayne Gretzky was still in the league. So like there, there was a lot of elite, Yager. elite, historically elite players in the league and Sergei Fedorov wins a heart trophy over them. True, but being good for one season doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. No, but it certainly pads your resume a little bit when you can say, I was the best player in the league for a season. True, but I, like here, I'm just looking at past Hart Trophy winners to try and disprove your arguments here, but I'm not. I'm not. Like it, it, it's tough because the Hart Trophy is, again, voted on by the writers and they can, they can uh, vote people in that uh, in hindsight aren't deserving. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Jose Theodore won a heart trophy in the early 2000s. He, he won it. Yeah, that, that should that have been year, a Ginla. should have been a Ginla. And there were like, there were Quebec hockey writers that left a Ginla off their ballots so that he wouldn't get votes. And then that's how Theodore beat him. But, um, but it, anyways, the, um, but what got me the arguments for in favor of getting Alfredson in the Hall of Fame, you know, 63rd all-time in goals, 54th all-time in points, 100 points in 121 yep. playoff games, second in all-time Olympic points among Swedes, plus his um, Olympic gold and silver medals. Like He was very good internationally. Yeah, like I, I, I think by the end of this article, like I, I had my mind changed. And part of that is likely just due to, again, how hockey's Hall of Fame uh, yeah, how people how get, low the standards yeah, are. Yeah, like it, it feels weird to say that the standards for the Hall of Fame are, are too low, but it does kind of seem that way when a guy who never won a championship in the in the professional league, never won never won a, a major award, really. Yeah, ne- never you know, he didn't lead his team in scoring all that often. Well, I don't he, think ever. I think he did toward, like, after Heatley was gone, I think Alfredson did. But uh, uh, I know Spezza did, and then Carlson kind of took over. Yeah, either way, like, it... But, again, if, if we're applying all of these same like, um, requirements for Alfredson, then in this Hall of Fame that we're talking about where the standards are higher, you know, Matt Sundin doesn't get in either. True, and he is in. He is in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, and that's – even though they play different positions, if you take position out of it and just look at, like, the numbers and the hardware, then if Sundin is in, then Alfredson should be in. Yes. Um, one thing, too, that I always found interesting was, although he played pretty consistently, like, he missed almost 200 games due to injury. Yeah, he and did miss a not, lot. And that's injury. not including the lockout – year and the lockout shorten year yeah like to me if you add those two even if disregard the injuries if you add in like 70 games for that lockout year because he probably would have gotten hurt in 05 that was kind of his thing and then in that shortened season he played he only missed one game but 
you know, we'll say he plays 70 again. Like one of those years was in his prime. You add that to his totals, he probably gets another 70 points. And then for his totals, that puts him at almost 1,300, if not over. And that's kind of a huge threshold to make, right? Like we're talking about a league that's had tens of thousands of players and only 200 of them have made the hall. And this guy ranks 60th in points. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but that was because he, that was just because of circumstance. Just because you don't win a cup doesn't mean you're not a terrific player. Like, um, oh, who was it? There's someone in the top 10 of all time NHL points that doesn't have a cup. I forget who it is. He played for LA. Is it, uh, it's not Luke Robitaille because he won one with uh, Detroit. It's not Robitaille. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's Marcel Dion. Dion. Yeah. Marcel Dion doesn't have a cup. I mean, granted, he's one of the best players of yeah, all time. Yeah, he's also one of the highest scoring players, too. Like, he's one of the few guys. He got to 700 goals. So he's one of the highest yeah. goal scorers of all time. He was, you know, if it weren't for Gretzky in the 80s, Marcel Dion could have been considered the best player in the world. True. So I guess it's not really a fair comparison. I, and but. he, yeah, he was just the victim of playing for shitty teams because he played for the, yeah. the Kings and uh, I think the Red Wings in the 80s or the 70s when the Red Wings were garbage. The Dead Wings. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the the other aspect of this is like if we think Alfredson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, then you look at the other nominees that made it since he's been eligible in 2017, and like there are there are definitely yeah. people that for sure he should probably be ahead of. Like I'm looking at Dave Anderchuk in 2017, and like that's a guy that put up a lot of goals, but. I don't think he ever would have been considered the best player on any of the teams he played for, let alone in the league. But he won a uh, cup. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I'm looking at some I, of I don't like that argument, and, but it's true. Yeah. Guy Carboneau, like I, I never really watched him play, but from my understanding of him, it was like he was fine, but he won a bunch of cups and then – People liked him, so he got into the hall this and, past year. And he played for Montreal. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't really know Vaclav Nedomansky, but... I don't even know that name. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an international player that got in. They're starting to do that more often now. It seems like every year there's, a, there's like two NHL players, uh, a woman player, and a, uh, like an international player. Which is fair. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame, not NHL Hall of Fame. Exactly, yeah. And that, that had been something that they'd been neglecting for a long, long time, was they just weren't inducting any women, and they weren't paying very much attention to the international players. Yeah. So that, that could kind of be what's limiting Alfredson right now, because he, he's got to be one of the two best NHL-eligible players out of the four slots. And, you know if we're just looking at the last three years since he's been eligible, like, yeah, he probably should have gotten in over Dave Anderchuk. And uh, he definitely could have potentially Guy Carboneau. Yeah. I don't know. Alf, again, I'm coming from a place of bias. Um, Alfredson, I just remember him being Mr. Reliable. He was good. Uh, he was a good two-way player. He was a good to great offensive player. I would not call him elite. Well, his entire game would make him an elite player, but he wasn't elite in one specific aspect. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of ex players that played against him talk about his surprise and strength 
because he was a small guy, right? Like he was only 500 or 511, but he was strong on his puck. He was, he had a hell of a shot and he was, he was Ottawa's leader. Like he was one of the longest serving captains in NHL history. All right. So final thoughts on this topic then Um, coming into this, I was firmly on the no Alfredson shouldn't be in the hall of fame. And you know what? I was probably coming from a little bit of Leafs bias there too. Um, And, you know, honestly looking through the numbers and then just kind of reconsidering who gets into the hall of fame as it's structured versus how I'd like it to work. um, Just based off of, you know, how everything works then to me now, after reconsidering it, I do think that Alfredson should be in the hall of fame. As for me going in, I firmly believe yes, Alfredson should be in the hockey hall of fame. Um, I am kind of on your side of they should make the criteria stricter. But since it's not, based on the players who have, have gotten in, Alfredson should get in. And reading this article just reaffirmed my position on that. Um, so, yeah, we'll just wrap up quickly. Before we go, uh, we can just quickly chat about, uh, you know, the last, oh, geez, almost a month now. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, I've, yeah, I, been- I've totally lost the ability of, being able to keep track of time. I have no idea what day of the week it is anymore or like the, this whole thing is totally messing with my brain, but See? I, I know a big thing right now, everybody's stuck at home um, and we're all streaming, watching movies, TV. So we're going to try to like kind of pinpoint some, some things that we're watching or, or uh, what we're binging, what we're listening to, whatever, whatever is, keeping our attention hopefully we can uh, pull up some some nice gems for everybody uh, for everyone that's listening and uh yeah so so keeps during this um yeah. during your physical distancing and social isolation what are what are you watching what are you streaming what are you listening to well considering i only went into i only really got affected by this this week because i've been working this is my first week off of work oh yeah I was in construction, so I was still going, you know, we had our rules and, you know, staying six feet apart, every truck had our disinfectant wipes, but I mean, everyone's talking about how stir crazy they're going and I'm sitting here like, huh, I'm just starting. So this is going to be great. Uh, What I have been keeping up with, I did watch Tiger King. Uh, Apparently they're coming out with a new episode sometime this week. Yeah. Um, I found that really entertaining. Uh, Not much I can say about it that I'm sure people don't already know other than that bitch, Carol Baskins. Um, I don't uh, think she's, if you think she's the villain in this gigs, you're coming out of it with the, uh, the wrong reading. Oh, I'm not saying she's the villain. I'm just saying that's easily what the phrase people remember the most. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, no, they're all terrible people and they all oh, deserve yeah. whatever they get. Yeah. I, I, for sure the, uh, the whole series painted Carol Baskin in a way worse light than she probably should be. Um, but it was just that that first the first time you see her when she's like wearing the flower crown and showing you through her house that's entirely in cat print stuff. Yeah, that definitely soured me on her a little bit, just being like, "This lady's nuts." Yep. But in a totally different way from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I also watched it, and uh, yeah, I kind of it, it. It's some of that. It's the kind of trash that you watch, and you're just like, "I can't look away," and this is absolutely nuts. If this was a movie, no one would buy it but it's real life. Yeah. Um, for me, the, uh, I'm not necessarily a huge Star Wars fan, but uh, one thing I really like is the animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars. 
it's the best Star Wars content, in my opinion, like including the movies, including everything else. Star Wars, the Clone Wars is the best Star Wars content. Um, they are putting out their final season because it kind of, the show kind of just abruptly stopped, I think back in like 2010 or something. And when Disney bought Star Wars, they are now finally uh, putting out the final season for it. They put out one episode every Friday uh, and it's, it's really good. I love the show. The new season has been pretty good. Uh, the latest arc in it was a little annoying, focusing on uh, Anakin's ex-Padawan Ahsoka and her trials with, uh, I'm not going to say anything more, actually, because that'll be spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, I recommend the show. The first two seasons can be a little rough to get through because they were focused on kids. Uh, all the seasons after that, they grow up with as their audience grows up, and it deals with some actually really brutal stuff. And it's really, really good. So I'll, I'll always recommend Star Wars: The Clone Wars to anyone right. uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, for me, like I, um, lately, the last little bit of what I've been streaming and watching, like it, it, it doesn't seem all that interesting. But um, I've, I've been really getting into The Office. Oh, I didn't the worst. watch it. When, I didn't watch it when it was on TV. Um, just the kind of humor that it is. It, uh, the character of Michael Scott causes me physical pain <laughs> sometimes like just just some of the things that are supposed to be funny i have to mute it and walk away for a minute or two until he's off screen and then i can come back and start watching with the audio on again <laughs> like it, but it, it's you know the later seasons when they he kind of gets toned down a little bit i i'm able to to watch the full episode with like maybe like a couple seconds muted or like i have to leave the room because yeah it's just it, cringy but I, yeah, I, I've never watched it all the way through. I, I, I know all the characters. I know all of the memes that go online. But um, this is my first time actually going through all of the episodes and watching it. I think I'm, I'm done season five now. So I'm getting towards the end. But um, yeah, it, it's been pretty good so far. And um, yeah, apart from that, I, I've got, got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood queued up on Prey. Oh. That movie so, looks so good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping to find a few hours in the coming days to uh to Did watch you ever that. watch Vikings on the History Channel? No, I've tried to. I I just don't care. Okay, that's fair. Well, for anyone who does like Vikings, uh it, the first three seasons just got put up on Netflix, so you can go binge that. As well as Netflix has their own Viking show called uh Last Kingdom. And that that show is actually really good. The newest season of that's coming out later this month, I think like April 26th. So my dad and I are rewatching it now and it's, it's very good. It's good. I really like the show. If you like Vikings, you'll like last kingdom. All right. Awesome. I think that's it for our first episode then. Yeah. I don't have anything else to touch on. Yeah. I mean, either. So um, if you've made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully it wasn't too painful for everybody, you know, being our first time at it. Yeah, um, we yeah, appreciate I, any and all uh, constructive criticism. Yeah, exactly. Any, any feedback, you know, as long as it's constructive and kind is is welcome. Please be gentle. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if if you liked the show, um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, tell your friends about it. Um, just spread the word to help us out. Um, you know, we're just looking to do this for fun right now, but hopefully in the future it can grow a little bit and, 
you know, sure. if we get more listeners, then it gets to be more popular, then hopefully we can upgrade some of our hardware and uh, then improve the audio quality for everybody as well. Yeah, we're not in a room talking to each other. Like we're both at our houses on like headphone microphones that you come with like a phone and just talking into it and hoping for the best. Uh, we are far from professionals or experts. Hopefully when the season starts again, our the content we'll have will be a little more plentiful and we can go a little more in depth and there'll be more things to talk about. Uh, for now though, we're just kind of testing things out, testing the waters, trying to sharpen our skills a bit. And like we said before, and we'll probably keep saying for the first few episodes, any uh, tips and tricks would be much appreciated. We are just starting. Yeah, for sure. And if there are any people out there that are audio or or mixing experts and you're just, you know, if we're causing you physical pain with, (laughs) (laughs) with our editing skills, please feel free to reach out and give us some tips. That would be great. But uh, in the meantime, like I said, if you can just rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, just check us out. Uh, stay tuned. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Little Hockey Pod. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. See you later. See you.